When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the 147 podcast with me, sports MC Phil Seymour, and him, the former Triple Crown winner and snooker world champion, the magician, Sean Murphy. Well, the last podcast we recorded, uh, the whole nation was in mourning um, at the loss of the Queen, and it was a, a terribly sad time. Since then, of course, we've had the funeral, but um, the 147 podcast is this evening in mourning for the loss of Sean Murphy from the British Open today. Sean? Yeah. Yes. Um, Phil, I join you from my hotel room where, I'm not going to tell any lies, it, it's a dark place. Um, mainly because there's been a power cut and the lights <laughs> have cut. No, um, no listen, it's, um, it's out there by now. Everyone will have seen. Uh, it's a real... Uh, Tough defeat to have taken today. Um, uh, it was best of seven, obviously. The first six frames were played, you know, in great spirit. Um, the match was a really good match. I played really well. Gary Wilson played really well. Um, we gave as good as we got. I had a, I had a close um, one four seven attempt. I got to 112, missed the last red down the cushion into the yellow pocket, made some good other breaks. Safety play was good. Gary made, I think, a one three seven of his own and some other really good breaks. The last frame was was very, very nip and tuck. We both had a chance. And weirdly, it's never happened in my career. This has never happened before. I cleared up to win, potted all the balls. Yeah. And as I watched the black go into the pocket, I looked up and to my horror saw the cue ball going into the middle pocket. I've never seen it. <laughs> Never had that happen before. Now, do you know what? So I'm, I, I'm, won. I won, but I lost. I'm, I'm glad you're smiling. I'm glad, I'm glad you can see the, the funny side of it. Just to explain to anyone, we, we've got people that don't watch snooker who listen to the podcast, okay? Just to explain to those people exactly what happened. So, so Sean needed to clear up all the balls to win the match in the deciding frame, okay? 
He did that. However, when the white ball hit the black ball, Sean got what, what's known as a kick, which effectively it's, it's generally to do with chalk on one of the balls, either the cue ball or the black ball, meaning the contact between the two balls isn't clean as it should be if, if both balls are perfectly clean, which affects the path of the black ball potentially and the cue ball. So Sean hit the black ball. The black ball went in on the corner pockets. The cue ball, instead of going its normal route, the normal angle it would take from there, it didn't, and it went straight into the middle pocket, meaning Sean fouled and lost the game on that final black, which he actually potted, which is... The, that's got to be the worst way to lose a snooker match. Yeah, I, it feels very strange to think, you know, I've lost them and I didn't miss the ball. You know, you know, I, I potted the ball. Um, I have seen a couple of replays flying around on Twitter just this evening, and uh, you can actually see the kick taking place as the black ball hits what we call the far knuckle of the pocket. You know, obviously I'm aiming for the middle of the pocket, and you can see the black ball just grazes the far jaw of the pocket, which means that the, the, the trajectory of the cue ball and the black were affected by what we call a kick, which, as you, as you said, you know, is basically when any you know, imperfections or impurities get between the two balls at contact. Um, of course, as we're talking about this, I'm realised just how much innuendo there is in Snooker Chat. Um, there's a bit too much innuendo isn't there for my liking, but... Um, yeah, listen, it was a very, very strange one. I've not seen anything like that before. Um, the only thing that comes close was there, a ma- there was a match with Mark Allen at the Crucible um, where he potted the black um, to, to steal a frame on his way to a comeback. Uh, the white came off three cush- two cushions and went in off in the yellow pocket and lost in the match. That's the that's the only time I've ever seen anything remotely close to it. But um, in all seriousness, listen, it was a really good match. Um, we both played really well. And from my point of view, do you know what? If I played like that for the rest of the season, I'd be very, very happy. I was going to say, a horrible way to lose, but full credit to Gary Wilson. Like you said, I think he's got one three seven in the in the match, which is you know no mean feat for any player. And he's a class player. He reached the final of the British Open last year, where he where he unfortunately lost to Mark Williams, um, and then had a wonderful interview with Rob Walker. Um, he's a great player, and and let's be honest, it's gone down to the last ball in the deciding frame. So it, it is fifty fifty at that stage anyway, and. And as it is, Gary's gone through. So on behalf of the podcast, I will say good luck, Gary Wilson, for the rest of the British Open. Not so easy for you to say, Sean, I know. But um, I've got to say, social media. Okay, we talk about social media quite a lot on this podcast. We are, we are all over social media. Um, I think that there's a bit of podcast shenanigans going on because Phil Haig from Talking Snooker, the first person I saw that shared the clip of you missing it, knowing we were going to record the podcast tonight was Phil Haig. So he's basically, he's, he's trying to stitch us there, isn't he, I think? No, not really. Phil wouldn't Yeah, there's a, bit, there's a bit of a stitch up on there. Definitely. Now, the other one, there is some chap who will remain nameless, um, who I'm guessing is probably mid to late 40s, um, sat in, in underpants that he's been wearing for the last three or four days in his mum's back bedroom, who knows for sure that the natural angle off that black is for the white ball to go into the middle pocket, Sean. So I can't believe, to be honest, you didn't know that. Um, you know, he does. He knows that. That that chap sat at home watching it on a betting stream. He knows that that was a natural angle. I can't believe you got that wrong. 
Yeah, it's a funny place, Twitter, isn't it? Certainly Twitter of all the social media platforms is, is a peculiar one. Um, I've always said, you know, um, you know, on whatever day of the week it might be, you could say it's that day of the week and somebody somewhere will disagree with you. Um, yeah, listen, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Um, unfortunately, this particular gentleman's opinion was wrong. <laughs> Um, but uh, he is entitled to his opinion. He may be having a rant about me on his podcast, by the way. Now, that, that may well be happening. Um, uh, I'm certainly going to rant about him uh, when it's my, uh, a little bit later on in the show. Well, but, listen, uh, I'm sure his mum will enjoy his rants. That's the main thing. Is, isn't, that the, isn't that the great thing about sport these days is that you can interact with people, you know, and, and when I was growing up watching snooker, um, you know, when you were growing up watching rugby, that weird game that they play with a very strange shaped ball, um, you know, you couldn't interact with your heroes, could no. you? You couldn't interact with the people you were watching on the TV. I could never have got in contact with, you know, the Steve Davises and Stephen Hendrys of the world. Now social media has opened everyone up and they start, those seven, you know, um, differences of, of, of connectivity between people, the degrees of separation, they call it. You know, they've really gone down to two or three, haven't they? You know, you can contact anyone on the planet now. Um, and apparently I'm still wrong. So, Absolutely. Uh, but you know, know what, Sean? Roll with the punches. You're also benefiting from... got to roll with the punches. You do. You're also benefiting from one of the, the main great things about social media, which is that it put me in contact with, with Lee Isaacs, who is Wineman147 on social media, who has very kindly today dropped you off a, a lovely bottle of wine to Milton Keynes. So, whilst you may have lost your match, very, you've gained a very nice bottle of wine, courtesy of Lee, which is uh, which is very nice. So sometimes social media actually is quite a positive thing, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Very, very lucky. Thank you so much for dropping it off. It was very, very nice, and um, I've been enjoying it there. It's been consoling <laughs> me since the defeat, and uh, yeah, I might need another couple of bottles to get me through it, but I, <laughs> I'm trying my best. Um, Listen, you know, I've been playing snooker long enough. You get a, you get the odd bad beat along the way. And as I say, uh, I'm only in control of my performance and, and really my emotions around that. That's all I'm in control of in snooker. It's a very strange game. You have no right of reply, really, like any other sport. You know, you're all in darts. You're always going to get those next three darts. In golf, you hit the golf ball. You go and find it. You hit it again. In tennis, your opponent is going to hit you the ball back within seconds. So, you know, snooker's a very strange game in those in those terms. And... Um, you know, I, as I said earlier on, if I if I were to go ahead and play like I played today for the rest of the season, uh, I'd, I'd be you know quite pleased with myself. And that's what you're going to take from it, isn't it? You know that 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 is what you've got to take from that game. That yeah, you lost that game, but as you said, it, it that sets you up quite nicely for the rest of the season. You did play well. Pity you're not going to play the rest of the week, but you did play well, and you now carry that forward. So. Let's get over that match then. So the, the British Open has started today. However, the World Mixed Doubles happened over the weekend. Now, I've got to, I'll be completely honest here. I've been quite busy this weekend, so I've not seen loads of it. I saw some of it, um, but it was brilliant. I think it was it was absolutely fantastic. What, what I saw was great. We saw um, Mink playing some amazing snooker at times. I think Rianne played very well as well. It was exciting. Robbo and Mink, bottom of the uh, the table going into day two, ended up winning the whole thing. And it was it was an absolute thriller. And just thinking back to, to the last podcast, Sean, you tipped Ronnie and Rihanna, I think. 
Yeah. Can, can you remember? Oh, yeah. Can you remember my pick at all? Can you can you remember who I who I chose for the win there, John? Well, I suppose you're going to claim that you pick, you know, Neil and Mink, aren't you? That's that's what's going to happen. Well, I, I wasn't, to be honest with you, I wasn't really listening, if we're being completely honest. Well, if I play this little clip of audio just by pressing this button, no, I'm joking, of course. I'm not, look at your face. <laughs> <laughs> you actually thought I was going to do that. I'm not that bad, but I did pick Neil Robertson and Mink Nacharat. So, yes, Phil got one right for the first time ever. I actually got a snooker prediction right, which was brilliant. But it was great, wasn't it? Anyone who knows me will know that I'm the worst <laughs> snooker predictor of all time. I just, you know, I'm the worst doubler. We would say John Higgins is the best at doubling. Uh, I'm the worst at that. And I'm also the worst score predictor, match predictor of anyone involved in snooker there has ever been. So um, I know you're very happy with that, but there'll be other people out there who are they're not surprised by that at all. Um, in all seriousness, though, uh, you know, isn't it a great step forward for... Um, you know, equality of opportunity and, um, you know, another feather in the cap for snooker, in my opinion, whilst, you know, I was thinking about this uh, as it was happening and I've been had a busy weekend of my own doing exhibitions up in the north of the country before coming to Milton Keynes. Um, there can't be many other sports where players from any sex can compete against each other on a completely level playing field and go toe-to-toe -to -toe against each other. Where, there's where only really darts. I can only think of darts mm. where it doesn't matter. And um, I, think it's a, I think it's something that, you know, in snooker, I think it's something we don't shout about enough. I think it's something we don't, you know, shout rooftops enough about our sport and how inclusive it actually is. Um, you know, in a lot of other sports, um, you know, men and women, you know, and I don't want to get into the whole gender debate or anything. like. I don't want to go down that road. But, you know, in terms of men and women, you know, they have to have their own separate competition. Snooker, we, we, we do have the separate ladies talk, of course, but we don't need it. Uh, and we have it we have it just on a purely numbers basis and it's well, a, a great way to the tour. Do you know what? I actually I actually think it's important to keep the women's tour going because, for, for this reason, and I know we're not going to get into gender debate, That's it's not a great route to go down, but for years and years, and Rebecca Kenner was a great example of this, there, there was a lot of snooker clubs that the women were excluded from that they weren't allowed to go into and Rebecca Kenner suffered that when she started playing the game because she, there was certain places she was meant to go and play and she couldn't actually get in the club because she was a woman. And that, for years, has kept the development of women's snooker down. That's why the women's tour is still needed now, because women's snooker is, is behind the men's game for those reasons. So the women's tour will help the, the women to develop and to improve and to come on. And that is really showing up. That's showing up massively. And we saw some great examples of that over the weekend with, with the four women's players that were in there. There's other women now coming onto the circuit, onto the women's tour, who will develop and progress through that tour where they'll be allowed to nurture their talent, they'll be allowed to improve and get better until such time as they can then go on to the to the main tour. And I think there's there's a lot of benefits to that tour keeping going. What we saw at the weekend, though, was, was superb. A, a big word for, I think it was Katie, um, one of the WST event directors who 
was responsible for the setup and the staging. I thought the staging looked absolutely fantastic. For me, the only slight letdown was the crowd there. For me, I think there could have been bigger crowds at times. Um, but, you know, it's a new event. Times are hard out there at the moment, and, and it maybe needs a little bit of time to grow. But televisually, what I saw of it looked absolutely brilliant. It really did. So hopefully it will become, a you know, a main feature of the calendar every year, and it'll grow and it'll develop. The format looked great. Um, and obviously the, the final at the end, you had, Mark Selby and Rebecca Kenner there, who'd played brilliant throughout the tournament, but Neil Robertson and uh, Mink Nacharat just came through and, and won it at the end. So Neil Robertson, once again, you cannot keep Neil down. He had a picture on uh, social media with all the trophies that he won last season. He had an incredible year last year, and he's looking like doing the same again this year already. Yeah, great start, a great first showing of the season, really, for Neil. And, um, you know, there was a talk on, I think... Um, I think it was talking snooker. Um, I think they were saying, you know, we haven't seen Neil yet. Um, you know, how, how will he fare? Well, I mean, you don't do any better than one for one. Um, and, you know, when everyone looks back at, at, at the World Mixed Doubles Championship list in years to come and they say who were the first champions, you know, it's another feather in the cap for Neil Robertson, isn't it, that he was he was part of the team that won the very first one. And, um, you know, fair play to them both. I, I think it was... Um, I think it was, you know, a very successful first tournament. And, um, you know, I'd like to see that that event grow and grow and grow. As I say, I, I you know, away from the specifics of that tournament, you know, I am all for inclusivity and, and, and equal opportunity for everybody. I really do believe that certainly in, you know, where we can make the rules up like we can in snooker, you know, the only obstacle, the only barrier to success should be how, whether you're any good or not. Yeah. That should be it. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, and you know, like like we said, hopefully it will it will become a, a stalwart of the calendar. Hopefully it will grow, it will develop, and there'll be more than and four pairings in it, which I think would make a lot of sense going forward. But it it does need you know the the level on the women's tour to to keep improving at the rate it's improving at the moment. If it does, then there's going to be more more women on the tour anyway on the main tour. And I think events like that can only grow and can only get bigger and more popular because they will be more popular. So. No, fantastic. Great effort from everyone involved. Well done to ITV for putting it on the main channel. That was um, a masterstroke from them. That was superb. Hope it got the numbers that it deserves. I really do, because it was a, a great thing to have on there. We have got the British Open, which has started today, but also we've got the 900, which is a, a completely new, fresh tournament. Started last week. Have you had a chance to see any of this yet, Sean? I, I, I've seen a little bit of it. Um, I haven't seen loads of it. I saw a little bit of it um, because there was a, a, a question I think we're going to come to later on relating to it. Um, and so I took a look at it, you know, for, for, for the purposes of that. But, you know, you know, I'm all for all different formats. I mean, everyone who I'm sure most people who follow me on social media or who have any involvement and, and, and know of me at all will know that, you know, I'm a big fan of golf. I play a lot of golf and all the rest of it. And, um, you know, there's a sport that, you know, whilst it's had its roots and history in the upper classes for many, many years, you know, has sought to change and has really moved with the times in a lot, a lot of ways. And now we see, you know, it's very inclusive and um, has lots of different variations. The President's Cup just finished. The Ryder Cup is obviously coming up. We've got lots of different tours. Obviously, it's big news at the moment with different arrival tours and stuff. 
but there's opportunities all over the place uh, with golf. And, and, and I'm thrilled to see, you know, having been a part of it just a little bit a few years ago of the, you know, real development of the seniors tour, which started out as a, a sort of a, a really a glorified exhibition with some, you know, uh, household names yep. from the 80s, uh, late 70s and 80s uh, into a real professionalised tour uh, for senior players. And out of that has birthed the 900. Um, you know, to, to, to have been a small part of that along the way uh, is rewarding. As we see snooker, you know, trying to, 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 to change. You know, when we look back to the birth of the WPBSA many, many moons ago, it was very much a closed shop. The guys who were on the board decided if you could turn pro. Uh, the World Championships for many, many years, you know, in the post-war era of the 40s, and was, an, was, a, was a challenge match basis. The champion decided who he was going to face. Um, the game... The game really has changed a lot, over, you know, in a very short space of time. And, you know, it's great to see snooker developing. There's been a few little concepts used in the 900, which I'm a massive fan of. And, um, yeah, I'm all for it. I'm all for all these different variations. I just love snooker. Yep. And, I, and I love seeing it get that opportunity to go to a wider audience. And um, I hope it's a real success. Yeah, definitely. Now, just to explain to anyone that doesn't know, the 900, it's, it's a brand new um, event. It's organised by uh, Snook, Snooker Legends, Jason Francis, who's the man behind um, many of these World Seniors Snooker Tour and Snooker Legends events. Um, Jason's one of those people that when he says he's going to do something, he really does do it. And he, he tends to do things very well as well. Um, 96 amateurs. Now, when I say amateurs, it's a real mix of, of players who are amateurs and have never played professional professional players who have fallen off the tour for whatever reason, they've lost their tour card, um, and legends of the sport, the likes of Dennis Taylor we've seen in there. Tony Knowles is on there this week as well, big TK, which is fantastic. Um, so it's a real mix of, of some of these legendary players, amateurs that you all never have heard of before, and sort of ex-tour professionals who are probably looking to get back onto the tour at some point. Um, 96 players, it's been played over, over several weeks, some for quite a while, I think right into November actually. There's a different group of players each week, on there, and I think they, they, it's two thousand pounds for the for the weekly winner, which is a, a really great price for an amateur. Um, and they're making a big point that they're getting paid straight away as well. There's no messing about, no waiting for it, um, which is you know fantastic. It's it's a, a new thing. We'll see how it does go. Andrew Norman won it last week, um, and as I said, there's a new group started yesterday, so that's on this week. Now you can watch this. I started today rather. You can watch this on Sporty Stuff TV, which if you go through your Sky channels, you'll see it's on there. I think it's on Freeview as well. But if not, Google Sporty Stuff TV. You'll find it online. You can watch it online as a free stream as well. So wherever you want to watch it, it's free to air, which again is brilliant because anyone can watch it. So tune in, that's Sporty Stuff TV, and that's the 900. All this week, though, right up until Sunday when the final will be on, it's the British Open. That's live on ITV4 all week. Mark Williams defending the trophy that he won last year when he beat Gary Wilson, who beat Sean today in the final. Sorry, Sean. Um, all right, calm, calm down. <laughs> that's on ITV4 all week, afternoons and evenings. There's snooker action coming out of your ears, which is fantastic. So, yeah, World Mixed Doubles was a massive success, in, in my opinion, at the weekend. British Open started today. That runs till Sunday. You've got the 900 on Sports Stuff TV. It's an absolute glut of snooker, which is brilliant. Right. 
As we always say with the snooker podcast, it's not a snooker podcast. So, Sean, after this, it's going to be time for your rant. Are you uh, are you limbering up already in your hotel room there? I'm ready. You ready? Loose. Okay. Well, we will get into Sean's rant straight after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to the 147 Podcast with Sean Murphy and Phil Seymour. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to interact with us across all forms of social media at 147pod. That's the words, at 147pod. Absolutely. And just while we're on that, actually, um, please do us a favour. Wherever you listen to the podcast, can you just put a review? Even if it's just a case of just clicking the amount of stars or whatever... If you are enjoying the podcast, leave us a review, put a star rating. All of those things help us to get more people listening to the podcast and help to promote it out further. It all helps with all of those things. If you do interact with us on social media, once again, that all helps as well because Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all these, they look at all of that stuff. I don't know how it works. I'm a muggle when it comes to things like that. But if you could leave us a review, if you are enjoying the podcast, please do. We, we don't get paid anything for this. We do this just for fun. So if you could leave us a, a nice review, that would be really, really appreciated. Now, Sean, your rant on the last podcast was about glitter. I did not see one person defending those people who put glitter in birthday cards. So I reckon we can say you were right. Yeah, it doesn't happen often. Um, <laughs> but I... But I was right. I'm claiming that for all rational, like-minded people, all, all civilised human beings uh, would like to see glitter and glitter gifts, a yep. thing of the past. Um, I have since sourced the address of the people who send me glitter <laughs> emblazoned cards, and they shall be getting some form of payback in the in the time coming um in the next few weeks they'll be getting their comeuppance for sure that's absolutely guaranteed but um yeah it's uh it went down well that one and i think i think a lot of people jumped on i think a lot of people have suffered from these you know subspecies of human being <laughs> i think they have i've suffered i've suffered right so that was the last episode but this episode we are about to go with sean's rant Sean, as always, you will have one minute and 47 seconds from when I say rant to the time the klaxon goes. The magician, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, Sean, three, two, one, rant. Right, so the rant this time 
really only applies to people who, like us, Phil, travel a lot for work. If you travel a bit on holiday, you have your holiday once a year, but mainly you stay at home, this isn't going to apply to you. Traveling for work, when we're all over the place, these things matter. So this rant is about hotels that in the year 2022 still don't have plug sockets next to the bed. <laughs> I'm so with you on this one. What is that? What is that about? Now, your Premier Inns, they're all locked and loaded. They've been designed by somebody with a brain. Someone who knows what they're doing is designed a Premier Inn. You cannot find a Premier Inn that doesn't have a plug socket by the bed. But some bigger chains, yes, Marriott Hotels, I'm talking to you, directly to you now. I use Marriott Hotels a lot. Please refurbish some of your hotels and put some plug sockets next to the bed. It's an absolute joke. I've been out and bought a two-meter, yes, a two-meter-long plug socket lead. And even that, in most of your properties, isn't enough. It's pathetic. What are you doing to fix it? What am I supposed to do? This nice nightstand iPhone Apple Watch charger that I've bought that's meant to sit on my bedside cabinet at night that I can check the time when I wake up for that week because I'm now 40 years of age and I need to. Right, do you know what, Sean? the other side of the room. Right, the klaxon's gone, so you've got to stop. And I'm really glad it does because you're talking about weeing in the middle of the night, which is a terrible topic to get onto a podcast. (laughs) Right, now, a couple of things on this. First of all, yes, I'm with you completely. I, um, I went on a bus today, which is quite a rare thing. Um, I went on a bus. The bus had USB sockets to charge your phone. That's a bus, okay? It's a bus. If they can do it on a bus, they can put them in hotel rooms next to the bed. However, I've got to say, two-meter cable to charge your phone. I've bought a power bank, Sean, which you can just sit on the bedside table and plug into. What, what's wrong with you? Yeah, no, I'm old-fashioned. You know, I'm not, I wouldn't. <laughs> You know, I'm not down with the kids yet. You know, maybe I'm waiting for my midlife crisis. To, yours has already obviously struck. When mine strikes, you know, I'll go Bluetooth with everything and we won't be having this conversation. But, like, you know, the first thing I look at when I get to a hotel is where the plug sockets are. Mm. And, of course, we're all in that. You know, I need my my phone needs charging, my uh, watch needs charging, the iPad needs charging for the podcast, the microphones need, everything needs power, everything... Where are the plug sockets? They couldn't be further from the bed. It's an absolute joke. What are you doing to us? Do you know what? It, it is right. Who, who's, desi- who's made these decisions? Which genius has gone, that's okay, the plug socket's 14,000 feet away from the bed. That's great. It, Fantastic. It is funny. I, um, I must stay three, four nights a week in hotels as an average. And you're right. The first thing I do when I get somewhere, it's like, right, get the laptop plugged in get the phone plugged in, get the iPad plugged in, get the Bluetooth earphones for the gym plugged in, just get everything charged up. Because let's face it, electricity at home is now very, very expensive. So I'll always use hotels if I can. Um, but yeah. it is a case to so look for those plug sockets. And when you get there and you're like, oh, there isn't one by the bed. Oh, for goodness sake. It is a pain. So there you go. That was Sean's rant. Plug sockets by the bed in hotel rooms. Have you had an issue with that? Do you have issues with that? Do you have plug sockets at home by the bed? I've got one. 
Um, I think it just makes sense, to be honest. So what do you reckon? Is that a problem for you? Interact with us on social media at 147pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Let us know what you think now. Sean, you, you may not have caused massive controversy with your glitter comments on the last podcast. However, some of your comments did cause rather a lot of controversy, which was quite interesting. Um, your talk about changing the format of tournaments, particularly the Worlds, I think was the big one, and the UK and the Masters and ranking points and that kind of thing. Well, you reached the Metro, you reached the Eurosport website, you reached the Daily Express, you reached the Sportsman website. You you pretty much blew up all over the internet with those comments. Now, you were just speaking your mind. Did you expect any of that at all? No, no, not at all. As I, as I said to a couple of people, um, you know, I was fairly innocently just answering a listener question on 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 here, and um, you know, I certainly didn't um, expect it to go like it did, uh, for sure. Um, what was very interesting, I thought, was you know people's reaction to these things. I, I find these things uh, very very interesting, and of course. You know, where Snook is involved, listen, I'm not an expert on anything except snooker. And it's, I find it very interesting a lot of the times where people think I've made these comments, whatever they might be, uh, and not thought about the specifics of what we're talk- talking about. You know, I, I'm not running for, you know, the chairman of World Snooker Tour. You know, I'm not, I'm not up for a voting process to replace Jason Ferguson for the chairman of WPBSA. This is just a, an answer to a question. I think the question was, you know, would you change anything about the World Championships? Well, yes, <laughs> if it were up to me, I'd change that. I'd let everyone start in the first round and off we go. Now, I know, having sat on the board, having been the chairman of the Players' Commission and all the rest of it for many years, obviously, I, I have quite a good understanding of the reasons why that isn't currently the case and the logistical problems that that would cause. But the question still stands. If it were up to me, what would I change? And my answer still stands. Um, you know, that's the good thing about today's world we live in, isn't it? Everyone's entitled to their opinion. And uh, me too. I do know. I... Yeah, I, I, I didn't think it was going to go like it did, for sure. Wait till we start talking about something serious. <laughs> what, what I thought was quite interesting was, like you said, the reaction. Um, I think there was actually a reaction piece done with Kyron Wilson. Um, I think it might have been Hector, actually, Hector Nuns, who, who did that. And I think it was Kyron basically said, no, he's, he's completely wrong. Um, but there was other pro players backing you up, other pro players saying, you're talking nonsense, Mark Allen, Matt Williams. Um, that, you know, and it was interesting how all the pros sort of seemed to dive in on, on Twitter and either back you or, or say you're wrong. So clearly, it is a topic, you know, it is a topic for discussion because... There was there were some people agreeing with you, some people disagreeing with you, and like you said, you, you've got an opinion and and it's honest. Now, nothing we say on this podcast is inflammatory. Okay, we 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 don't we're not like some people that you get on on certain radio stations who will say things to get a reaction. Okay, when you listen to this podcast, what you're getting is other than the jokey bits, our actual opinions on things. And and you know, if you take that one way or the other, you take that one way or the other. The fact that it started a debate, for me, interestingly, as, as I've said before on this podcast, if people listen to this podcast that don't watch snooker and start watching snooker because of it, 
fantastic, okay? Absolutely brilliant. We spread the gospel of snooker. More people understand the game. More people watch the game. Drives up viewing figures. Drives up the popularity of the game. Fantastic, okay? If the things we say on this podcast, sorry, rephrase that. If the things you say, Sean, on this podcast, <laughs> get column inches for snooker. Well, there's an old saying that no publicity is bad publicity. So the fact that that put snooker in the Daily Express, when there was no snooker tournaments on, by the way, so there would be no snooker content going in there. There was snooker content going on the Eurosport website. There's snooker content going on the Sportsman. There's snooker content going in the Metro. Fantastic. It's spreading the word of snooker. Now, if people see that and think, oh, what an absolute idiot, what's he on about? But then they listen to the podcast or they, they watch the British Open or they watch the, the mixed doubles. Fantastic. You know, brilliant. It's all spreading the word of snooker. So, listen, if, if these things get picked up and get in the mainstream media... As far as I'm concerned, absolutely brilliant. It's all spreading the word of snooker. And let's be honest, nothing you said was actually negative about the sport at all. So it's all good. Anyway, let's try and not be quite as controversial this week, shall we, though, Sean? Um, listeners, uh, listeners' questions, would, do you want to kick us off? Well, I wouldn't like to promise that I won't be controversial, <laughs> but yeah, let's go into the listeners' questions. Right, first up, Andy Pierce on Twitter. This isn't controversial, but I'm sure I'll find some way of making it controversial. Uh, Andy Pierce on Twitter uh, writes in, how long did it take you to get to grips with star tables? I'm an amateur player in Cornwall and have never played on one, but I am doing soon. Well, it's quite an interesting one, this. Um, and for all the non-snooker guys listening to this, you know, I use the term interesting very loosely. Um, but of course, you know, over the, those keen viewers will recognize that over many many years the tables that we use in tournaments have changed and whilst they're all supposed to be based on the same kind of idea they're, they're all green they've all got eight legs and the pockets they've got six pockets and the pockets are all the same size there are small little changes that are made between them and and, and, and weirdly players aren't involved in that so when we switched from the previous iteration which was what was called a, a riley aristocrat table and we switched into the star tables or well, probably you know a dozen years ago maybe now even more possibly um there are small tiny differences um that you know you know uh, you know andy if you've played on a riley aristocrat table you are going to notice some differences um, as you enter into the star uh, table, namely being, you know, the access to the pocket down the cushion. The ball enters the pocket at a slightly different angle. They're a little bit more generous when you roll the ball to the pocket, um, stuff like that. But the middle pockets from certain angles are a lot narrower. The entry to the pocket is a lot shallower um, than they were on the previous iteration, as I say, the Riley aristocrat. Now, which is weird because as a player's body, We've watched the fitters fit these tables. We've insisted that they use the same pocket templates. The pockets are, you know, by numerical measure, they're all the same size. But we, but, but they, they, they do appear to play differently, and um, it's a real strange one. But as a, you know, as a, as a, as a, you know, if you take four golf courses and compare them, they'll all play different. If you compare the old Rileys of the 70s to the BCEs of the 80s to the Rileys of the 90s to the stars of the noughties, well, you know, the differences are quite hard to find. Only an expert would see the, to see the very small differences. But listen, 
you'll enjoy it either way. I'm sure. Absolutely. Now, what what I would say is, um, I've I've played in snooker clubs and I've played on the star tables at, at tournaments. Um, I'm not a player. I'm horrifically colorblind. I don't play snooker, but I do for fun occasionally. What I would say is they are very, very different. They're far more reactive to the tables that you get in snooker clubs. The pockets, some people say, oh, the pockets are like buckets. They're not, okay? I will tell you categorically, they are not. If anything, they're actually incredibly tight. When, whenever I've taken any snooker fans down by the table at events onto the, onto the floor, and they've looked from the, the yellow, the brown, and the green spot, to the middle pocket, they're actually stunned at just how tight they are because they're expecting them to be massive when they get there, and they really aren't, okay? So that's a complete myth. The tables do play differently, though. If you would like to try one, go to a World Snooker Tour event, okay? They have queue zones at the events with these tables in there that you can try, that you can play on. There's professionals there, sorry, professional coaches there who will help you with your game. Occasionally, the pros go in there, I go in there a lot and just knock balls around with people because it's good fun. But go to one of the events. It's completely free to go into the queue zone when you're there. So go in there, take on one of the challenges the coach will give you. It's your chance to play on one of these tables that the pros play at at events. So it really is a good chance. So get into the queue zone at events. Right, moving on. Brian Campbell on Twitter. Really enjoying the podcast. Brian, you've got your question on, which is, <laughs> that's exactly, along with snooker scene and talking snooker. No, I'm missing Brian's question now. No, we enjoy, we enjoy snooker scene and talking snooker as well. Um, Brian says, having seen players at events become unhappy with their Q-tip, happens a lot, why do players not take a spare Q to tournaments? I know it will be slightly different, but surely preferable. Now, Sean, at the weekend, what happened? Well, there was two things happened to me at the weekend. As I'm sure any snooker-based listeners will know, you know there are pros that do the exhibition circuit between tournaments. We're booked by clubs or corporates or whoever it might be to go and do an exhibition of snooker. That usually involves 10 frames or so of snooker on the night, meets and greets with VIPs, and as I say, the 10 or so frames of snooker. There's usually a break halfway through and trick shots and a Q&A and all the rest of it. And two things happened to me this weekend that have never happened before. I'm going to start with what happened to me at the Northern Snooker Centre on Saturday night, which was a wonderful exhibition in one of the best clubs in the country, where young Liam Pullen finished the night. We played 10 frames of snooker. And up to that point, we played nine. I'd had five centuries, two 80-plus breaks, and a missed 147 attempt at this stage. Liam waltzed in and knocked in the first century break that I've ever had made against me in a snooker exhibition. It was absolutely first class. And how old is and Liam Pullen, Sean? Goodness, I, I mean, you know, very hard to age. I want to say he's 17. I think he is I think like he is 17, Sean, and where's he from? I think he's 17. I'm going to say I'm going to say York. He is from the finest city in the whole of the world. Liam Pullen is from York. Now, I know Liam Pullen a bit. Um, he's, he's got a great family, actually. He's, he's a good lad. Um, he was, I think, two wins away from a tour card at Q School last year. Um, he's a really, really talented lad. Spends a lot of time in Leeds at the Northern Snooker Centre. It's no surprise to me that Liam Pullen waltzed in and, and knocked in a century break. If you ask anyone at Northern Snooker Centre, they will tell you that he is one to watch for the future, is Liam Pullen. 
Um, but is that is that right? That's the first century that's ever been scored against you in an exhibition. Yeah, I've been doing exhibitions sort of, you know, I've been on the exhibition scene for, you know, the best part of 20 years, you know, maybe 17 or 18 years, something like that. And never in all that time has anyone stepped up in front of, you know, their friends, family, members, whoever it might be. There's always a crowd, obviously. Yeah. Never has anyone walked in and made a century. Never. Wow. Never happened. Amazing. So and it was phenomenal. Now, the other thing that happened, coming back to the question, was that on the previous night, I played an exhibition in Stockport at the Moore Club, which was another very well-attended event. It was a great night. And halfway through the night, my tip came off. <laughs> and that's never happened to me in 32 years of playing snooker. I've played snooker since I was eight years of age. Never has my tip come off. And it only came off because I was stood minding my own business, waiting for the referee to rack the balls for frame four, they just introduced the guy I was going to play, and somebody barged into me with a drink in their hand. <laughs> and in doing so, it, it my my thumb moved up the queue and knocked the tip off. Oh, and it came off clean as a whistle. Now that that's never, of course, that's a showstopper. You know, for a snooker player, the tip coming off mid-show, that's like the show's over. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's um... thankfully. Luckily, I had my uh, tipping equipment in the back of the car and I was able to, you know, we had to, we had to take the break early, postpone the show for 20, 30 minutes. You know, in the West End, they bring the safety curtain down, don't they? Where you know, if something happens, we had to apologize, make a few apologies. And I had to go to work. I got my, you know, Stanley knife out, the glue out, the sandpaper out. And was, you know, fortunately within 30 minutes, had the tip stuck back on, reshaped it, all the rest of it. And the night carried on. But, you know, coming back to the question specifically, what happened to me on Friday night makes this question all the more valid for me mm. because I said to the friends who were with me, is this the time where we actually start to say, really, you know, should you have a backup queue with you at all times? Should I have queue one, two, and three in case something goes wrong or in case the playing conditions aren't as I want? Should I have, if I'm not getting the throw off the cue ball I want, should I have a queue that pushes the cue ball more or less? And it's something Chris Henry and I talked about many, many years ago about having Q, A, B and C and taking them into the arena with you. And it's one of those things that, you know, just isn't the dumb thing in snooker. But you might see it start to happen. And who knows? You know, maybe what happened to me on Friday is a, is a, is a stark, you know, reality check of, you know, relying on one Q is, is madness, really. You know, golfers look at snooker players. They have 14 clubs in the bag. They have spares every week. They yeah. can get a, a replacement club in a matter of minutes. Um, they look at us as one queue. We travel around the world with it. If anything happens to it, it's game over. They look at us as if we're insane. Well, yeah, yeah understandably so. But, I mean, <laughs> Brian's... We, we modern a bit of move with the time. Yeah, Brian said in his question, it would be slightly different, I know, but surely preferable... All all cues are, are handmade to to the player's specification. So surely, you know, if you went to, I think John Paris makes your cues. I think does he? Yeah, he does. Yeah. He does. Yeah, yeah but absolutely. If you, if you went to John or, or whoever makes your cues and, and said, right, I'd like another one making the same as that one, it would be as near as damn it. I mean, it's got to be very very close to to the one that you've got. So surely that's preferable to have one that is almost identical to 
having a tip come off as you did on on Friday night. Yeah, you know, Brian has strayed into an area of you know quite deep snooker mythology here. Um, you know, talking about you know the tips and the cues and do they play the same and do they not? You know, if I you know if we talk about golf for a minute, I'm going to bore you for just a second. But if I put the same shaft in my golf clubs that Rory McIlroy uses. You know, that shaft is the same. If I go out and buy that shaft in Manchester, that particular shaft, I think it's called a Project X, Project X 7.0. If I buy that shaft in Manchester, it's the same shaft I would buy in Berlin or Melbourne or Tokyo or San Francisco. That product is the same. When we start talking about cues, when I changed cue in 2013... John Paris took my cue, which was 100 years of age. He took my Tom Newman champion cue and he copied it. Same length, same weight, same diameter. But it wasn't the same. And that's the problem with snooker. Because we use wood, which is a living, breathing material, it, it has that little unquantifiable element about it that a steel golf shaft or a graphite golf shaft doesn't have. And so my cue that I hold and play with today, in every measurable way, is the same as the cue I had that I won the world title with in 2005. But there are small, almost imperceivable differences that only I as the user can see. And I've had to adapt my game. So if I took a cue out, if I took a spare cue with me, it wouldn't be the same, even if it was the same in every measurable way it still wouldn't be this. There would still be an element of adaptation. But I think we are getting to that stage. I can tell you from the tour, a lot of players are starting to look into this now, especially as, as travel starts to come back. You know, some very, very big players have lost their careers to cues going missing, getting damaged in their flight. Stephen Hendry's cue, for instance, yeah, the yeah. cue he won seven world titles with. You know, very well-known story that he got destroyed by baggage handlers and that was effectively his career over you know if he'd had his spare cue to switch to we wouldn't be talking like that it's time snooker moved on a little bit and there are behind the scenes there is this research and development taking place of course the first player who walks out at the crucible with three cues <laughs> will be branded a complete maniac Oh, until it until it works without any and then, doubt, and then everyone will do it. Absolutely, Brian. I hope that's answered your question. So, Sean, moving on. Moving on, Steph on Twitter. Uh, if your life was made into a book, what would the title be? Right. Well, uh, do you know what? I'm um, going to answer this go on. one first because I've answered this previously on another podcast, which I'd like to just mention because it was on the Talking Balls podcast. Um, Michael and Lee, who do the Talking Balls podcast, they announced last week that they are they're stopping their podcast, which I, I think personally is a real shame. I understand why they're doing it. They're doing it because the commitment is is difficult. Trying to line guests up and that kind of thing is is a real challenge when you're doing everything else you do in your day to day life. But Michael and Lee on the Talking Balls podcast, if you go back and listen, all the episodes are still online. There's some really really great ones. They had a guest on each week. It was all about snooker, getting right into people's lives. Really, really great podcast. So Michael and Lee on Talking Balls, the podcast. Really sorry to see you going. Um, great podcast. And thank you for the work that you did on that podcast. Now, I was on that podcast some time ago. 
And that was one of the questions that they asked all of their guests. If your life was made into a book, what would it be? Now, mine, if you watch when we do the previews for World Snooker Tour and I'm the MC at events, whenever we do the previews, for some reason, I don't know why, I just started doing it out of nowhere. I always sign off on it. Wherever you're watching, enjoy. So if it was, if my life was made into a book, the title would be dot, 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 enjoy. Sean, what would yours be? I've got absolutely no idea. <laughs> I've, thought, I've thought long and hard about this. I really have. I've been thinking about this. Um, it's a funny story, actually, because um, I think I'm one of the few, you know, snooker players, you know, if I'm allowed to use the phrase top snooker player, I don't like talking about myself in that way, but, you know, if I'm allowed to use that phrase for the, for the sake of this question, I, I think I'm one of the few who doesn't have a book um, you know, at home I have every snooker book ever written. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, uh, back to 2006, you know, I was the second youngest world champion in 05. Um, I was with an agency uh, in 06 because I was told you had to get an agent, you had to be managed and all, and all this that you do. And I was approached by a publisher. And I remember going down to London to speak to this publisher. You know, as I say, it was quite a big story. You know, 22 years of age, came from nothing. Um, the second youngest world champion of all time, came from nowhere, 150 to one shot, all the rest of it. And this publisher, this agent, set up a meeting with the publisher in London. I remember to go into this little swanky little bar slash coffee shop, you know, in you know some really trendy part of London. It was very much out of my depth. And I met with this publishing agent who told me that, um, yeah, you know, it's great, but it's not really a story. Go and win the world championship again and come back to us. Maybe you'll have a story then. Wow. And I've never thought about it since. Goodness me. I've that... never, <laughs> never thought about it. It was a real, it was a real like welcome to the hard world of business. You know, I know you think you've got a story, but you haven't go away. Um, so, yeah, I've got no idea. Uh, I know if my life was turned into a movie, obviously Pierce Brosnan would play me in a movie. That's that's the that's a given. Sorry, but, whoa, 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 just just go back a second there. What did you just say? Well, it, well, it's Pierce Brosnan or Mr. Tumble. It's Mr. Okay. Tumble every every day of the week and twice on a Sunday. Mr. Tumble plays you in the story of your life. Pierce Brosnan. Where does that come from? For a start, he's about 20 years older than you. Doesn't matter. When you look as good as Pierce Brosnan does, it doesn't matter how old you are. Right, just on Pierce, just on Pierce Brosnan, by the way. Prove, doesn't it? That goes to prove what everyone's been saying for years, which is the James Bond you grow up with <laughs> is the one that you remember. Now, just on, the, on Pierce Brosnan... Um, just Google Pierce Brosnan family photos because I know I know we be kind and everything else. He's had some pictures done with his kids this last couple of weeks and they are stunning. Um, they're they're quite special. It's got to be said. So just just Google that. So you've not got a title for your book. So come on then, social media people that listen to the one four seven podcast. What should the title of Sean's book be? Oh, that that's quite risky, isn't it? Oof, oh. I can't believe you've thrown that <laughs> up. Thanks for that. All over social media, at 147pod, what should the title of Sean's book be? Right then, moving on. I'm going to actually 
skip a couple of questions here, I think. Um, this is a good one. Greenwood99 on Instagram. To Sean, what's the one question you've been dreading coming up and why? Before you answer it, Sean, just, just a huge thank you to everyone that's, that has asked questions. We have had so many questions in this week. It's untrue. It's ridiculous. We asked earlier, I think last week, for questions for the podcast for this week. We have been inundated. We've had literally dozens across all platforms. So thank you very much for everyone that sent questions in. We will not get them all in tonight. Um, we will we will use some of these on the next podcast because we've got absolutely loads. So thank you for that. But yeah, Greenwood99 on Instagram, Sean. What's the one question you've been dreading coming up and why? Oh, I mean, there's, there's half of my brain just wants to straight bat this away and say, well, I can't possibly tell you, can I? Because then you'll ask me. <laughs> you know, that's the answer, isn't it? Come uh, on. You're better than that, the, Sean. I am better than that. The, the truth of the matter is, I think we actually dealt with one of my most serious issues in, in the first or second episode of Listener's Questions, yep. which was the whole Stephen Maguire chalk incident. You know, we, we dealt with that. That's something that happened as I say, the best part of 20 years ago and has absolutely plagued my life in and out of professional snooker. I have people come up to me in the street and talk about that moment. You know, why did I have Stephen Maguire doctor frame for forgetting his chalk? And I just didn't. It's just not true. <laughs> Do you know, it's complete completely in the wrong place at the wrong time, seen having a conversation with a referee, and then people put two and two together and got six. I um, so, I noticed last week, actually, on when the, the controversy about your, your thoughts of the changes of format for the world and the UK and that kind of thing happened. Some of the comments I saw on that, there was people once again bringing that up, and I'm thinking, well, you've already addressed that in the podcast. It didn't happen. But people are bringing that up. Straight away, people are straight in there, well, lost you, didn't want amateurs in the tournament. Again, you've talked about that, and you've admitted that you were actually wrong on that one. And yeah. it's just like, listen to the podcast, people. He's, he's addressing these things on the podcast. He's telling you the truth. He's answering them. So I've got to say, Sean, to your credit, every question we've had, I, I think actually you've answered it, and you've answered it pretty honestly and pretty well. So I don't think there's a massive issue, but Greenwood99 on Instagram, let's see what questions come up. Let's see if any come up that that he really doesn't enjoy, so keep those questions coming. So let's move on then, Sean. Okay, uh, GCHQ98 on Twitter. To you, Phil. Okay. Oh, Sean, are you there? You've just we vanished from me. To MC. Say that again, sorry. You just you vanished for a second then. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah got I've got you. I've got you nice and clear. GCHQ98. Okay. What would be the ultimate sporting event for you to MC? Okay, that now, ooh, that's that's a really tricky one. Actually, um, I'm involved in quite a few different sports, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pinch a few here. I have MC'd at the Crucible. Um, I'd love to do the final of the world. It will never happen, um, sadly. But oh, stop sadly. procrastinating, Bill. You're allowed one. Rob, allowed Rob's one. brilliant. No, no, I'm I'm gonna have more than one because because I can. It's our podcast. Um. <laughs> I'd love to do the World Championship final at the Crucible. It won't ever happen, but I would love to. Um, I'd love to do the the Challenge Cup final in Rugby League, which is at Wembley, which I have been promised if Wakefield ever get there, I can have that gig. Although I have done Australia v New Zealand, which is the biggest game in World Rugby League, so I can't be greedy, but I'd love to do that. Um, 
I've done boxing at Wembley Arena. I'd love to do boxing at Wembley Stadium. I'd love to do boxing in Vegas. That would be absolutely different level amazing. But the one that I'd really, really love to would be the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl for me is is probably one of the biggest, it's got to be the biggest annual sporting event, I think. Um, massive American football fan, big Denver Broncos fan. I would love to to go over and do some some announcing at the Super Bowl. Again, it will never, ever happen. But that, for me, is the ultimate one. Okay, moving on then. Thank you for that, Super GCHQ. No, 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 oh, no, cool. no, 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 no. I've got to ask you two questions, just as follow-ups. Hmm. Read the NFL. One, yep. why would they ever choose an MC from York to MC the NFL? And two, talk me through how you've chosen the Denver Broncos as your team. Right, okay. Um, why would they choose an MC from York? Well, this coming weekend, I'm flying to Denmark to MC a boxing show. Um, there's frequently different American MCs come to this country to, to MC boxing. Um, so why wouldn't they? Next month I'm going to, to Belfast to to announce at the, the Northern Ireland Open snooker. You know, what, they, they could just use someone from Belfast, but they don't. So why would they use someone from, from this country and specifically from York and specifically me? Well, let's face it, they're not going to, but why not is the question to that. Why the Denver Broncos? When I was a kid growing up, the Denver Broncos were incredible. They, were, they weren't they were the best team. Um, I think the Chicago Bears were probably the best team, which is a team my brother chose to support because he's a glory supporter like your good self, Sean. Uh, the Broncos, <laughs> though, <laughs> they, they played the most exciting American football. They had John Elway as a quarterback who was a legend and I've been fortunate enough to meet since then. And I just loved watching them. And I've, I've supported the Broncos since I was... I would say seven or eight years of age. So about 20 years now. Um, and yeah, I've, I've been a Broncos fan for years and years and years. So that's why I support them Broncos. Right then, moving on. Last, The last listener question we're going to get in on this podcast. Uh, James Cook on Twitter. This is a good one, this. To Sean, what is your most memorable pot and why? And could be fresh in your mind, this next one. The same for your most memorable miss and why. I'll tell you what, I wish I'd missed this appointment for this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. What's your most memorable pot and why and the same for the miss? Well, I was thinking about this. It'd be very easy for me to say the pot that won me the world championship. Yep. Or the pot that won me the Masters. In fact, the pot that won me the UK Championship in 2008 would actually answer both questions because I stood behind the pink off its spot with one red left and I took a deep breath. This is to win my second of the Triple Crown events. This is a big, big moment in my career. Run your routine, Sean. Deep breathe. Three or four feathers on the shot. Run your routine. And I missed the pink by a mile. It went round off two cushions and fluked it in the middle pocket to get me over the line. So that would almost answer both parts of that question. Uh, I think, I think though, my best pot um, does follow me around the internet quite a lot. And it was a almost like a trick shot 
but I played against Ronnie O'Sullivan in the World Championships a few years ago where the red was hanging over the middle pocket. Yes. Played side cushion first, back cushion with loads of check side. The white came back on itself, clipped the red in over the middle pocket. The worst miss of my career wasn't the worst miss, but it was one of the most significant misses at 15 frames each. As momentum was starting to turn, I'd started the final session of the World Championships, I think 14-11 or 14-12 behind chasing Stuart Bingham in 2015. At 15 frames apiece, I missed the yellow off its spot, trying to do something complicated with the cue ball playing for the green. And that pretty much lost me the championship right there. Now, Stuart went on remarkably, played unbelievable during that whole event. Unbelievable his run to the championship. He played snooker from the gods um, against everyone he beat, including myself. And he went on to win the, 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 you know, the penultimate and final frame, you know, with big breaks as well. But the match turned right there at 15 all on the yellow. I missed the yellow, which I shouldn't have missed. And um, it was one of those classics of trying to do something a bit too much with the cue ball, where really I should have just potted the yellow and then potted the green, yeah, and, and maybe we wouldn't be having this conversation. Interestingly, the, the, However, pot, the pot against Ronnie, I saw on Twitter the other day, someone someone tweeted it out. I think it might have been World Snooker Tour, actually, but someone tweeted it out the other day, and yeah, that was a, an amazing pot. It was great. Um, so there you yeah, go, right. Listen, just, be, just before we go, just, just before we do, you know, enter the wrap-up phase, I know you said that was the last question. However, I'd like this to be the last question before our pointless question. Lindsay Feeks White from Twitter. Is there a better biscuit oh. than a malted milk? Yes. Yes, there is. And it's a bob. And everyone that's got any, any intelligence or taste knows a bob and biscuit is better than a malted milk. Yeah. Well, it's funny because this, twi- this, this question did come through Twitter earlier this week and I got involved. And I said to Lindsay that. Oh, and that's a great time for Sean's internet connection to, to drop out on us, which it's is fantastic. Oh, he's back. There you are. The best course. What, what I did was I went and bought some malted milks. And they are not what they were. No. no. Um, so I'm going to throw into the mix. We're going to have a bit of an open season on this one. I'm going to throw into the mix the quite often forgotten fig roll. Oh, no. Behave yourself. How old are you exactly? They were my nana's favourite, and she's been dead for 20-odd years. Fig rolls? Have you got, have you got problems with your, with your toilet breaks or something? Fig rolls? Are you serious? I'm just going to throw fig rolls out there. You know, they're in the shops. They're available in every shop. They must be popular with somebody. I can't eat that many. I'm certainly not that many anymore wow. since my surgery. Can I can't eat anything. I think throwing so, throwing them out is about all you can do with fig rolls. Are you really telling me fig rolls are better than bourbon biscuits? Come on, behave yourself. Well, uh, uh, listen, a, a fig roll would always get my vote ahead of pretty much anything. I you know I would struggle um, to, to 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 think of anything. That could I could put ahead of a fig roll. Listen, we're all different. We all, you know, this is this is the world we live in. 
Well, we'll put it out no, there. That, is there a better biscuit than a malted milk? Tell us on social media what's the best biscuit. Um, yes, is my answer to that one. But what do you reckon? At 147pod across all social media. Now, this will be old news by the time people hear it, I'm sure. But just to go through this evening's results at the British Open. You won't have seen these yet, Sean, I don't think. Jack Klazowski for Dominic Dale 1. John Higgins for Andy Hicks 2. Kyron Wilson for Mark Davis 0. You ready for this? Ronnie O'Sullivan, one. Alexander Ersenbacher, four. Mm. Yeah. Do you know, I'm not I'm not a million percent surprised about that. Wow. Um, yeah, I, 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 I really rate Alex. I think he's a very, very good player. And when he has a day, you know, when it, when it all comes together for him, um, he can. Uh, beat anyone. I think he's beaten Ronnie before, to be I honest. Got, I think he's I've beaten got him a feeling in one of the Nations events. Yeah, I've got a feeling he has as well. But that that's I mean that's a that's a huge result for him. That's great. So there you go. So the, the Federer of the Bays, Federer himself retired uh, last week, but the Federer of the Bays has uh, has done a job on the Rocket World tonight. Champion. Yep. So we move on to our pointless question. Just once again. Thank you to everyone that sent the questions in. We've got dozens of questions that we haven't managed to get through. We will keep hold of them. We will use them for future episodes of the podcast. If you have asked a question and we've not got around to, to getting the question on the podcast tonight, we will keep hold of them. We will use them on a future podcast. So thank you for those questions. Please keep them coming in and you know we, we will just build them up and we will do as many as we can on each episode. Right, we move on now. So our regular feature before we go, our pointless question. The pointless question this week, Sean Murphy, is would you rather gain 10 pounds in weight or be banned from all internet access for a month? <laughs> wow. <laughs> what do you reckon? Well, given that I, uh, in, on May the 10th, paid an extortionate <laughs> amount of money for bariatric surgery to help me lose weight and prevent weight gain, I'm, it won't come as any surprise to anybody that I'm going to opt for losing all internet access for a month. <laughs> Do you know, as, as, as someone who is a, a perennial yo-yoer with my weight, I'm going to take the £10 in weight because I couldn't not have the internet what? for a month. No, I couldn't do it. I couldn't. Right, Give just over. just a second. Who is it that uploads our podcast? Is that me or you? You. It's me that uploads a podcast, okay? Because let's be honest, Sean, you wouldn't know how to, okay? So it's me that uploads a podcast. So I need internet access for that. I need internet access for a lot of the work that I do. I'm, I'm going to Denmark this weekend to MC a boxing show. The only way I can get the information about the boxes that I've got to introduce is using the internet. So I know... I can lose £10 in weight in three or four weeks. So realistically, by the end of that month that I've had the internet access for, I'll have lost that £10 in weight anyway. So I'm taking the weight, you're taking the loss of the internet. What would you take? £10 in weight or be banned from all internet access for a month? What are you up to the next couple of weeks then, Sean? Well, uh, having lost in the first round of the British Open, I've now got a week three. Uh, so the diary is empty. Um, so I will be heading home to Dublin and, uh, you know, getting back on the table and working on my game. The next thing for me, I think, 
not consulted the diary, but I think the next event for me is the Northern Irish Open in Belfast, one of my favourite stops on the tour calendar. Looking forward to that. Um, I'm looking forward to my... Um, I'm not going to take £10 in weight. I'm going to be losing all internet access. I'm going to look forward to being free for you for a month. Oh, um, wow. Charming, thanks. Charming, yeah, thanks. Um, what can I just ask? Like, because you're much older than me, you, you know, you, you could have you, you could have been in Wolf of Wall Street. That's how old <laughs> you are. Um, what did you used to do, like, you know, in terms of business and stuff, keeping in touch? How did you operate without the internet pre before WhatsApp and iMessage and email and Facebook and Twitter and so before all that happened, which obviously you know I grew up with because I'm young and trendy, you know, how. <laughs> How did you operate? Do you know, I, 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 was, I was talking to the, about this to someone the other day. Um, <laughs> when I was a kid and you got a girlfriend, okay, you had to, you couldn't, there was no mobile phones, okay? We didn't have mobile phones. Only the, the guys in London had mobile phones with the big briefcases with the phone on the top. Um, and if you got a girlfriend, you couldn't ring them from mum and dad's house phone because let's be honest, that's a bit sad and they're going to hear you. So you used to have to go down the road to the phone box and <laughs> feed it with coins to ring the, the, the girl that you started seeing, and that, that was sort of the way of the world then. When I first started working, when I, when I got my first real job, um, the internet was very much in its infancy, and I mean proper infancy. There wasn't really any internet. So everything was done by fax. So there was, I, I remember faxing document after document after document when I was like 18, 19 years old, and everything was just done by fax, by telephone and by letter. Essentially, can so, I ask you a question? Can I just stop you? Did you yeah. ever ask a girl out by fax? <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I never. Or ever when you did. did that thing, which you know, like, I mean, my children are obviously never going to grow up to having to do this. Of course, they're not, and you know, lots of people listening to this won't have done this. But I, like you, do remember the time where, when there was that girl you liked at the what, you know, you'd ring the house. Yeah, you'd have to get through the mum or the dad. Uh, is um, is so and so available? Could, you know, is she, you know, you'd have, you'd have to do it, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, when you did that, when you rang up the, when you rang the landline, which, as I say, a lot of people listening to this won't know what a landline is. When you rang the landline, did you put on the MC voice and go, "Hi, it's Bill Seymour." <laughs> Funnily enough, I wasn't an MC then. But Sean, what's the point? When what? you rang up and you said, "Oh, it's Sean Murphy," did they not just go, "You're not even Irish"? What's that name all about? You're not even Irish. On that note, Sean, we should sign off. Well, listen, you enjoy your couple of weeks off before the Northern Ireland Open. Northern Ireland Open, by the way, I will be there from the quarterfinals through to the final. Tickets are still available for the Waterfront Hall in Belfast. That's in three weeks' time. WST.TV forward slash tickets. If you do go, if you are going, let us know on social media. Come and say hello. You'll see me wandering around the venue. You'll see Sean there as well, but you'll see me around about. If I'm down on the floor, pop down and say hello. Let us know you're there. Come and say come and say hi. But get your tickets now. It's always an amazing atmosphere in Belfast. Last year, particularly when Mark Allen won, obviously the roof came off. It was a full house. It was incredible, but it's always great in Belfast. The snooker fans in Northern Ireland are some of the best anywhere in the world. They absolutely Love it. So get your tickets to the Waterfront Hall, Belfast, for the Northern Ireland Open in three weeks' time. You will have a brilliant time, absolutely guaranteed. I'll be there. Hopefully, Sean will still be there by the time I get there on the Thursday. 
because we want to see him moonwalk on the Sunday into the arena, don't we? So, Sean, that was the 147 podcast. We'll be back again in two weeks' time. Please do leave us a review wherever you listen to it. Sean, it's been a pleasure as always. Phil, I won't see you in Belfast. Guys, thanks for listening. (laughs) See you soon. Bye now. That was the 147 podcast with Sean Murphy and Phil Seymour. If you enjoyed what you've just listened to, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, and interact with us across all forms of social media at 147pod. That's all words at 147pod. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.